This podcast, number 846 with Dr. Ian Brooks, is brought to you by Dave Crenshaw, author of a new book entitled The Myth of Multitasking, How Doing It All Gets Nothing Done. In my interview with Dave, we discuss his new book, which is a fictional story that exemplifies the challenges that most employees and executives face. Dave effectively uses a series of characters in the story to inform the reader about the myth of multitasking and how this disrupts not only our productivity, but erodes our most important relationships. Join me in my interview with Dave as we explore many of the behavioral changes you can make to eliminate this challenge. If you want to learn more about Dave Crenshaw, please visit his website at www. DaveCrenshaw.com. That's D-A-V-E-C-R-E-N-S-H-A-W.com. And now for our featured podcast, please join me in my interview with Dr. Ian Brooks about his new book entitled Intention, Building Capabilities to Transform Your Story. Happy listening. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voison, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And we have Ian D. Brooks, MS, on the line, and he has a new book out. If you can't see, you'd have to be blind not to see it behind him. <laughs> and it comes out actually tomorrow. So by the time people are hearing this, they can do it. Intention, building capabilities to transform your story. Good day to you, Ian. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Greg, and a wonderful uh, opportunity to chat with you and your listeners today. Well, we appreciate having you on Inside Personal Growth, and I know that my listeners are going to love what you've written here and why you've written it. And I'm going to tell them a little bit about you. He's the Chief Executive and Founding Officer of Roadsmith Consulting. Uh, They're in Marina Del Rey, California, which is just right a tad bit north of Los Angeles Airport. Um, Dr. Ian Brooks is the Chief Executive Officer of Rhodes Consulting, providing organizational change and project management methodologies for large and small-scale organizations uh, to transform themselves. With over 20 years in the organizational development field and human field, uh, or I should say human capital field, um, Ian has experiences partnering with key stakeholders in resolving complex issues during business transformations, and delivering on individual and group human capital initiatives. Well, Ian, welcome to the show. Uh, It's really great to have you on. And this book is something that I think for all of our listeners who are big into the human potential movement and personal growth, um, they're going to love it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off with, you mentioned that the transformation of a story focuses on strengthening the capabilities across five areas, right? Yes. And you've obviously researched this. You spent a lot of time working with people in companies and individuals. Speak with our listeners, if you would, about the, how we strengthen these capabilities and what are those five areas? Sure. And, you know, thank you, Greg, and um, appreciate the introduction. Really, in my experience in working with organizations and people in general over the last 20 plus years, has really centered around our capability building. So, as I mentioned, there are five that I'm going to focus on, but I'll start off with the idea of capabilities, that we are building a foundation of which to use to transform not only for today, but also for tomorrow, recognizing that our stories are constantly evolving and changing sometimes with and without our own knowledge or acceptance. So it's the reason I start off with capabilities. 
So those capabilities start off with number one, discovery, acknowledging that we need to understand truly what are we solving for? We have a multitude of storylines within our own personal growth and development and the reason we got here. So it's extremely important to acknowledge that we need to discover truly what do we think we're solving for and understanding those complexities. The second piece is around building a capability of understanding who we are as individuals. We all have our own characters in our stories. We are the authors. We are the characters. We are the writers. And we need to understand the fabric of who we are because that intertwines with what our priority is and what we're hoping to solve, as well as understanding where we need to move forward and even acknowledging some of our choices. The third piece is around building a capability of building a plan. So can I um, ask you a question in between yeah, on sure. the stories? Because the stories are, we're evolving. We're human beings. Yeah. We, we have feelings. We have emotions. There's things that impact us. And you say building capabilities to transform our story. I think mm-hmm. this is the key thing because that's the psychology behind this. That's Absolutely. what's going on in between the two ears is the ability to look at what we're actually doing to ourselves Mm-hmm. How we've put ourselves in this position and the decisions we've made, not somebody outside of ourselves, yes. but ourselves. How would you tell our listeners to more carefully look at crafting their story in that number two? You were on to mm-hmm. five and I was yeah. at two. And I wanted to stop at two because it's an important one. Uh, it's probably the most important one. Um, you know, you wrote this from a fictional standpoint. So the mm-hmm. reality is, is that. You know, most personal growth books are nonfiction, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So you you tell a story and the reality is it's like an actor on the stage Mm -hmm. and we've got all these people viewing us and we get to come and go on and off the stage, right? Right. And that's our story. That's our story. How do, you, how do you recommend that people observe it from the outside, from a higher viewpoint, and actually mm-hmm. see themselves doing this crap to themselves? Right. <laughs> uh, so what, what would you recommend people do? Well, one of the first things I recommend people to do when I'm coaching them is just to pause. Take the moment to acknowledge where you are, both in moment and also in feeling. We get caught up so much in our pace and day-to-days that we lose sight of the fact that, hey, I, I am a person. I'm, I'm bringing something to this table. And oftentimes when it comes, we see it in the form of reacting to something, responding. So people are argumentative or just responding in, in negative ways and, or projecting their own emotions onto someone else and what they're feeling. And the hardest thing that people have to do when they're going through change, even though you described it in a nonfiction piece, there's a lot of fiction that actually uh, goes in or um, fictional stories that I'm telling in the book. There's quite a bit of nonfiction as well, both of my own experience and those of others. And one of the biggest struggles that I saw in myself and even my clients is just being able to step back and say, well, wait a minute, in that moment, and that causes you to be present and to now respond versus react based on the characters that we have, based on the characters we created when we were children and the stories we told ourselves that were constantly reinforced by our environments. And so as you described, it does take a psychological tinge and lens to really acknowledge that. And of course, that requires some vulnerability. And being honest with ourselves, knowing yeah. that no one else is going to be here to, to describe that. So I've, I'm sorry to stop you on number yeah. two. So you can keep yeah. going. You have three, four, and five. So I'll let yeah. you finish them. No, but you know, I, I appreciate you stopping on number two and even the you know part one of that discovery. I front loaded this book with a lot more depth of that understanding because establishing that foundation of what you're solving for and who you are 
then drives everything else that you do. And yeah. that, that then leads to, into what we naturally just jump to is that planning. Like, okay, now I got a plan. Let's plan for this problem. And then we go out there and experience it for number four. And the last piece is reflecting on what actually worked and what didn't. And that all then leads to sustainment. But those first two aspects are really what I've set the white lines in establishing what this book was about. Because I, if we don't do that right, it really doesn't matter what your plan is. I, I'm confident anyone can d- develop a plan. I'm confident anyone could execute just to hit one target one time. But when we're transforming our capabilities, capabilities is doing it in multiple instances, multiple scenarios, and we're building consistency whether we're driving it or not. Yeah. So in part two of this book, you talk about discovery. We just said yeah. discovery. Yeah. And transforming transformation. Yeah. And sure. you placed a picture in the book of a dot in a, on a chalkboard, and you referred to this as possibilities. Can you yeah. explain to the listeners how the possibilities affect a person's life discovery, which was number mm-hmm. one, right. and the transformation, which is what you're trying to get to mm-hmm. overall? Because when I think of intention, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people do things unintentionally, but there's a subconscious element associated with it, right? Right. We have our conscious and our subconscious. Mm -hmm. So if you would explain what's going on there, the pick the dot and then the possibilities. Sure. So that dot scenario came from the Creative Wacky Pack by Roger Van Alp. Um, And in that Wacky Pack, um, in one of the scenarios, a a teacher drew a, a dot on a chalkboard. And gave it to a group of uh, seniors in, in high school, and they were only able to come up with one, one solution or what that dot was, and they just said it was a dot. When this teacher did the same activity with kindergartners and, and asked them, what do you see? They came up with some 50. And when we actually think about change and transforming our lives, we just think it's just one thing we need to do to get better. It's just that one thing. If I just do this, I will be fine. I'm good. I'm great. We don't recognize that our perspective is shaped of that dot based on its surrounding areas. So that dot is nothing more than the context and contour of that black space around it, which is the blackboard. As such, even our stories and what we were trying to discover is a reflection of what we see as an outcome. But there's so much built into the fabric of what we have created and what we're seeing that we now need to discover what those possibilities are that is creating the picture that we want to change. So in that, go ahead. So one of the things that you discuss is awareness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, every psychologist will tell you, or you, if you're observing and you're aware, awareness is the first element to make the change. Mm -hmm. You can't make the change unless you're aware of the problem, right? Right. Right. So how would you encourage, you, you talk about this in a team setting, right? Yeah. And our listeners to expand their awareness Mm-hmm. Right. Because if everybody's siloed, it doesn't work. Yeah. But right. as soon as people can come together in alignment, it works. And you coach organizations mm-hmm. where you're dealing with different personalities, personal mm-hmm. elements, but oftentimes they're not aware of how they're communicating, how Absolutely. they're speaking with one another, mm-hmm. how their actions and body language affect other people, mm-hmm. a lot of different things. So kind of address that whole element of awareness in working with teams. Sure. And that's, and that's a very complex piece when you're stepping in, because again, as we talked about individually, we're bringing our own selves to the party. But now when we're putting into the context of a team, we're now dealing with everyone else 
else's wants and needs of which we may be aware of consciously or even unconsciously, they may be reacting to us. And that's a lot more challenging. So when we're coming together, and as I described in the book and working with my team, I really had them focus on your wants and needs may not be their wants and needs of what we're, who we're partnering with, with up and down the spectrum of our organization. Thus, we need to understand, one, what's in it for them around what we're changing. But as important, are we changing something for ourselves? Or are we projecting something that we want them to change? Because if we want them to change, now we're already setting ourselves up for failure, especially if they haven't asked for it. <laughs> um, if we want to change something, that's where we have our control. And that's really where intention comes into play is that something, activities of which we have control over to some extent to actually be able to drive forward. If we're now looking to build intention in someone else, that's influencing. And now we need to build a skill of influencing, but it still starts with the landmark and hallmark of actually understanding where people, what they want and what's going to make their lives easier. And it's not about me. It's about them. In that, it now requires engagement, conversation, openness and discovery, not answering for judgment, but answering for respect and acknowledgement up and down to make sure that people are going in the same direction. And it's and, I, and, I'd, and I'd add to that, it's a little a lot of compassion and uh, compassion mm-hmm. and understanding. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody's circumstance inside of a company versus what they're dealing with outside of the company. Mm-hmm. And if people don't have insight, they're not aware, yes. right? Somebody mm-hmm. just may have a parent that's uh, had some kind of challenge, yet they have to come to work and work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't matter if they're working over Zoom or they're working together closely in a team somewhere in an office, I right. should say, socially distanced, to be correct. So yeah. in the principle of you, part of the book, mm-hmm. you compare mm-hmm. each person's history to this grain of sand, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what's your philosophy behind the grain of sand? I think... I know I get it, but right. for our listeners, what is that? Sure. And, and while we talk about that dot for, you know, our transparency and discovery up front, we right. too have our own grains of sand, right? There's a grains of sand of time. We have templates that have governed what we do and how we react um, based on moments in our history of how we've reacted. That establishes our experiences and what we expect to really create, in some ways, our biases to navigate the world. Each grain, each moment offers an opportunity in that acting as a grain of building our stories and even our characters. Each grain represents a moment of decision and perspective, right, wrong, or indifferent, that shapes who we are. So each culmination of a grain of sand tells us what kind of beach we're on. We could be sitting on the beach sipping a Mai Tai someplace um, on the beach, or we could be in the middle of the Sahara Desert. We don't know, but each grain of sand offers a idea of who we are and how we became a mound of sand versus that individual piece. And we need to take that individual grain into consideration as we're thinking about changing our own stories, changing our own dynamics as we progress through life, because without that acknowledgement, we don't know where we are. And that establishes us in a, uh, a more position of power and awareness as we look to move forward. Yeah, and I've heard the story told from a spiritual standpoint, you know, it, it, not using the sand, but actually using a drop of water from the ocean. Mm-hmm. So there's an ocean, and yet each of us has our individual expression of ourselves, which is the drop mm-hmm. of water. 
And the reality is we still all are part of one, depending on mm-hmm. if you want to look at it from a spiritual standpoint. But there's that individuality. There's that drop of water that comes sure. out of the ocean that's the expression. And what you, we want to help people understand is that each person is unique mm-hmm. um, and they have a way to express themselves. Now, you mentioned that change is hard on mm-hmm. your environment since you're evolving this story, the story mm-hmm. we're talking about. And you can protect some aspects while it challenges others, mm-hmm. right? It may challenge others you're around because you Absolutely. just said vulnerability. I heard it. Mm-hmm. Brene Brown, 101, right? Mm-hmm. So in this difficult time of COVID-19 where we've all mm-hmm. been separated, we've all had a mm-hmm. social distance, we're doing more stuff on Zoom, what best advice can you give our listeners pertaining to change as we move forward? And what do we need to let go of and what yeah. do we need to embrace? Um, I think COVID has been a great learning lesson for people. But the question mm-hmm. is, what are we going to let go of and what are we going to embrace? Yeah. And you know what? It, I think it depends. Um, so as we think about what COVID offered us, it's going back to the dot scenario for a moment. It's a dot shown to us. We didn't ask for this change. So now we're having to react to and respond to the different variances that we've saw, right? Now, you know, we couldn't go and see our friends. We couldn't go to restaurants. We couldn't go outside. Um, And depending, you still can't if you're in different parts of the world, even currently today. We're now starting to see now, you know, the United States at the very least opening up and getting us back into that, a, a what we have defined as normal or getting us back into that social connection. I think we need to let go of what we've defined as normal pre covid of getting back to that comfort zone. Change, no different than COVID, is constantly trying to draw us back to that anchoring point of what we know to be true, to what we need to be safe. And so as we come back into this world of connection with other people, I think we need to redefine what our normal is of that interactions, of how we speak, how we are talking, how we're handshaking. Because just as we just described, we're all unique and depend upon what state you're in, depend upon what part of the um, A state you are as well, because we're in obviously California, um, the county by county can be different. People may not be as comfortable going outside and shaking hands and hugging, especially those outside of our immediate family and friends of which we've been locked in with for the last year. And so acknowledging what that normal is, Acknowledging what our new normal is um, when we take our kids back to school and their social interactions and going to um, sporting events and other events where there's a lot more people. What's that comfort that I have? And so as I apply it back to my book, it's really understanding what's your priority. What are you really focused on and what's important to you? Because that's going to be your truth, what you're anchoring on and what your comfort level is. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to be going back into a space and world that may not be aligned to that truth and just being aware of that, not offering judgment as much as acknowledgement so that we can interact with it to all move forward at our own pace. Because again, where we're starting is going to be different from each of us, state by state, county by county, country by country. What isn't changing is what we and how we take that. So as we move forward, being conscious, being aware that we are slowly opening up But in that, not everyone is at the same place as you. So letting go of our judgment and realizing that what our normal was before is likely not going to be the case anytime soon. Well, I appreciate your perspective. And I think you've approached it from a very high level of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And I I 
always reflect back to Ken Wilber, you know, his work on the levels of consciousness of Mm -hmm. which people are. You know, we may be dealing with people that don't have that level of acceptance, but we need to approach it from a standpoint of understanding and awareness Mm -hmm. that that's where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. And I think what we often forget is that there are these levels of consciousness of people. Not everybody is approaching this from this intentional Mm -hmm. level of consciousness, which you are. And, you know, you begin part four of the book and you use Mm -hmm. the Benjamin Franklin quote that says, Mm If passion drives you, let reason let reason hold the reins. Mm-hmm. Aha, pretty good example for this. Right. How would you direct the listeners to follow the passion that drives them? And and I think that's important. You know, mm-hmm. if we look at if we look at um, curiosity, and we look mm-hmm. at focus, and we look at our passions, and then we look at our purpose and mm-hmm. our goals and our grit and our determination. To actually get there, how do you want to have people look at those passions that drive them? And then how do they integrate them, not only just into their lives, but potentially into the organizations in which they're working for? Yeah, it's um, it's a great piece because, I, and I love the quote because it captures on the two things that we were just talking about. The first being passion is about the feeling. It's about something that you can't necessarily quantify. That's internal to us individually. It provides us motivation and the drive to move forward. In that, we also have to recognize the reason. What's the reason we're doing that? If passion is, is our driver, let reason be hold the reins. Because our reasoning is driving towards our, uh, what's our priority? What's our direction? What are the white lines that which we are playing in? How are we actually going to get there? And thinking through that, in the moment passion and our perspectives and that motivation will can have us continue to go through and fight through small uh, losses and keep us motivated in those instances while acknowledging our successes as well. How would you define passion, Ian? I define passion in what is my purpose? What is going to keep me motivated? It's a feeling of want to. Okay. It's interesting. Because, you know, my personal purpose statement is I exist to inspire passion. Mm-hmm. And passion to me, see, so here's the where maybe there's just some differences, mm-hmm. is that I'm always trying to help people get clarity and understanding on things they don't have. And right. once they do, it actually fires passion, mm-hmm. right? So the podcast show is a direct outreach of me trying to take what might be unclear and make it clearer. And once it becomes clearer in some fashion, it then can become something they're passionate about because they're now (laughs) understanding something. Now, you cite this 2015 study by Gail Matthews about Mm -hmm. writing goals versus formulating outcomes in their mind. And I was just on with a company called Goalscape before you who has a great piece of software. How would you advise our listeners in creating their goals to achieve harmony and success in what they're doing? And I actually refer to it as productive harmony. You know, these companies Mm. are looking to create harmony. Mm -hmm. The question or production, production, uh, 
they don't always say, well, it's productive harmony. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm sure they don't. And, and I think it's, you know, really establishing even the, the, the difference, right? Because I think harmony for an organization and getting everyone on the same page and productive harmony and rowing in the same direction takes partnership and collaboration. That harmony as it's defined for an individual is now within ourselves, it's how am I moving forward, which takes a little bit, which is a little bit different dialogue and a little bit different approach because now I own the choice. Now I own the balance. The collaboration is within myself. And, and now what am I now willing to do? Mm-hmm. And this gets us down into the writing down of goals. Now that we're actually seeing and making it visible to ourselves because now it becomes truth. It's no different than having our storyboards in front of us um, and message maps just to make sure that they're all in front of us to say, what's my vision? What's the clarity that I'm actually driving towards? It's that subtlety of awareness that reminds us, even in the most difficult times, I can just look up and just be, just be reminded, this is my priority. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. When we get into an organizational setting, we lose sight of that from a corporate standpoint around why we're doing what we're doing. We just see it from our own individual levels of this is why I'm moving one widget from one place to the other. This is why I'm hired based on my job description. We're now taking that job description saying, what is that priority for you? And being able to write it down because that offers you clarity. It offers you a measure of progression, not necessarily success, but Mm -hmm. progression, because I even redefined success in a little bit different ways. It's about what am I consistently doing? on a regular basis, both um, both on the achievement of an outcome while also even having some failures. It's about the continuous learning over time and building that into the fabric of who I am. That's success. Thus, it needs to be re-anchored and anchored on that purpose. And that's why writing down what your purpose is in that moment, also long, long-term, is extremely important because it's a reminder because we can so often get caught up in our day-to-days that we lose sight of why we're doing what we're doing based off of the needs of others. Yeah, and I, and I look at it and I say in all of this, whether you're using the word passion or purpose or values or goals or grit or determination or focus or curiosity, you know, if you're to bundle up all these descriptors, mm-hmm. and in the end, it's really about someone creating meaning to them Yes. And significance for them. What is mm-hmm. the significance and meaning for doing this? Mm-hmm. Because otherwise they look at it and they go, well, what was the purpose of it? Mm-hmm. You know, you begin, the older you get, the more you start to question those things. You right. start to question it because you have an internal biological clock that's ticking. And mm-hmm. it's saying, oh, you know, and I, and I, sometimes I think there, there was a movie out, were we born backwards? Should we actually <laughs> have been born old and then, get, and then become young again, right? Right, like Benjamin so, Button. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so you enumerate six steps to organize your thoughts. You call mm-hmm. it your priority. Uh, what are you willing to do, to mm-hmm. do, do, operate with intent, mm-hmm. uh, reframing success, support, mm-hmm. And return on enjoyment, right? And I think everything, uh, Ian, is a, uh, it's measured in the energy which we output. You know, all of this requires energy and it Mm -hmm. requires you to have a passion to want to put that energy in it. So what advice would you give the listeners to encourage them to follow the steps you mentioned so they can grow and succeed in what they want to do and sustain the energy that's required to do those things. Because what I find is that people start and they stop and they start and they stop. (laughs) 
So how would you have them help them with the uh, energy management? So sure. aptly put, he's on the show, Dr. Laura, who wrote mm-hmm. the book, The Power of Full Engagement. Um, mm-hmm. It's really about the power of full engagement. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it is full engagement. Um, and, but, but I also want to acknowledge that it, it's full engagement in the context that we can't do everything a hundred percent, right? We, there, there is a point of negotiation of our time. Like how can you measure the full engagement of tying my shoe, right? Or putting on my socks. That's a different level of full engagement than I'm actually having to change something about myself, and being present and aware in that moment. So as we embark upon this journey of change, and as I described then building out a plan and just holistically, that takes time and energy and full engagement and being aware in that moment, because it offers us a foundation. You talk about sustainment. We haven't even started to get down to the actual taking action and doing the behaviors of mm-hmm. said changes, mm-hmm. right? Yet we tend to jump right there because we know we have limited time. Yet to build the plan takes time. It takes thought. And it's less about that physical energy. It's that type of energy that wears you down that you really can't recoup from as quickly. And that's that mental drain, having to think through this stuff and knowing what you're going to embark on, knowing what you like, oh, poo, I've got to do all of this work right now. And I haven't even started just thinking about it. Yeah. But so, do you, do you, this uh, inserted question, do sure. you really believe that people generally care about goals and time management at all. Okay. I know this is mm-hmm. a, this is a flying question Yeah, and that, or really what they care about, you talk about it as the outcome. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say, is it to the attainment of something yeah. yet they're saying, well, I have to have these proximal goals so that I can mm-hmm. get to the major goal. But on mm-hmm. the other hand, there's something that's self-sabotaging Absolutely. If if the the body's biochemistry is not firing and releasing the endorphins and the things mm-hmm. that are necessary from a neuroscience standpoint, they'll mm-hmm. never attain it. No, you know because the reality is, it, you can study all these high performing athletes and mm-hmm. all these people that do these phenomenal things. Yeah. and it is really the sabotaging is the biochemistry frequently. If it's not yeah. there, it's not happening. It's, it isn't there and, and it isn't happening. Again, you can get anybody to do one thing one time, but people, as you described, just want to get to the outcome or to get to that end result, whatever that might be. Yet, all of a sudden, right behind that, as a fast follow, they complain it's not sustained. Now I got to go back and redo it. Now I have to go back. But when you talk to them about planning and give it some thought, that the psychosomatic aspects of acknowledging who we are and what we're actually solving for so that we can do this consistently. Now, when you actually do take those actions and behaviors and now have incremental steps of building capabilities, building steps, building behaviors versus outcomes, now you're starting to build towards sustainment so that we're already thinking about sustainment from the outset and put it, reframing it so that it takes it away from, I achieved getting a touchdown. I achieved getting a job. I achieved partnering um, right. with this team. Now it's, it's about coaches, I'm a better communicating. But it's coaches like you who help people stay on a sustainable path. Absolutely. You know, it's like 
I remember just seeing just recently Simone Biles, the famous gymnast, uh, still practicing for the Tokyo Olympics, even though mm-hmm. they kind of called them off. But practice, 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 practice mm-hmm. these moves that nobody had done before mm-hmm. on the vault, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, for this little four foot eight, four foot six little girl to actually make those moves. And, and what you find different about those athletes and those people is it's it's almost like in the magic, right? If yeah. a magician can do a trick enough times and keep doing it and doing it and get it getting better and better and mm-hmm. better at that so that he perfects it, you think it's still magic, but it's not magic. Everything mm-hmm. can be attained. And right. so if you were to leave our listeners with three things that they could take away from your your book and the, mm-hmm. and how they could incorporate it into their personal lives, okay? Right. What would you say intentions, building capabilities to transform your stories would want to tell them? What would you want to sum this up and say, okay, this is what I would advise you to do besides get the book, because we're going to tell them to get the book here in a minute. (laughs) Uh, Read the book. It's it's a great book. It's easy, easy read. Mm -hmm. Um, But what are the things that Ian Brooks, the author of this book, Mm -hmm. would inform our listeners to kind of start doing? Number one, start with you in building a foundation. Um, he who has, has not built a foundation may with great ability do so afterwards, but with great trouble to the architect and danger to the building. If you don't have a this solid foundation of who you are and what you want to achieve, none of your changes really matter. It, you can do what you want, but it starts up front. So invest in yourself, invest in the time. Invest in the emotional equity to get to where you want to be. The second piece in this uh, that I would like to reinforce is that we are redefining success based off of capabilities that transform across time. Your dots and the dots that are made for you are going to move with or without your permission, with or without your knowledge. Acknowledging that and recognize that you're building capabilities, not only for today, but also for an unknown tomorrow. Because of that, be conscious of it. And that takes more effort to be conscious in the moment than it does take to actually go out and do what you normally do every single day. So true. And the last thing I would say, sustainment. Realizing that our changes are never done. We are a byproduct of our own histories, our own evolutions. We get old without asking. <laughs> we pass without asking. Yeah. When we stub our toes, we limp without asking. <laughs> Recognize that as we are going about our journey, we are both, again, not only the author, we are the actors. We are actually even creating our scripts and the environments around us. Realize that this journey that you're on is one of experience and it does take time. Expertise is gained with repetition, as you just described, Greg, with athletes, but also with different scenarios. That uncomfortable feeling will tell you that you're probably in the right direction and also enables you to more adequately sustain it moving forward. And I would add to what you have to say, just uh, having a bit of experience in this, um, be compassionate with yourself and Mm self-forgiving. Along the way, you know, it isn't a straight line, okay? (laughs) And, you know, I know people think the trajectory up the mountain, but when you ask a lot of people how they get to the top of the mountain, there's a lot of switchbacks. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of way. And then the other thing is, is have the grit and perspiration and uh, determination 
that's required to keep going. You know, don't mm-hmm. quit. People say that. So be compassionate with yourself. You're going to make mistakes. Right. Uh, and have that determination to continue to move forward. Um, and there's always something good around the corner. If it mm-hmm. kind of feels bad right now, just realize if you set yourself up psychologically that good's going to happen, good's going to happen. That's mm-hmm. the power of intention, right? Absolutely. Setting your intentions. And you're not alone. You know, I yep. think to, to what you described, you're never alone. While yep. it can be a lonely journey on this transformative journey, uh, path, right. you know you have a support system yep. that can re- help reinforce. So I'd ask to also add that. So don't feel like you're on this journey by yourself. Well, those are great takeaways. And uh, I appreciate you for that. And I want to tell our listeners, if they want to learn more about you, they're going to go to rhodesmith.com. Is there actually a book website too? Or is um, it there, just the... it, it's actually on Road Smith and that's spelled okay. R-H-O-D-E-S Smith.com. Smith. Yep. So right. um, it is, there'll be an actual uh, link on the website for that, as well as it already being on Amazon. Okay. And so you can see it at Amazon. You can go to Road Smith there. You can also learn more about Ian and what his personal coaching is, his leadership development, uh, building the talent pipeline, um, and all about Ian himself. So it's a good opportunity for you guys to go uh, check out his website. Um, is there, are you also going to have at the website, uh, a one chapter download or anything that the listeners can take away as well? Yes. We'll actually have, um, some scripting that, um, readers and listeners can actually download for, so they can get a, a, a feel for the book. Um, they'll actually be posted here in the next several days as we're making some changes to that slightly content, um, to make sure that the readers can get a better understanding of what the book is about. So that will be made available. Well, Ian, I appreciate you. I appreciate the message that you're giving to the world. I appreciate the fact that, you know, uh, people like you help others actually create awareness and see things with inside themselves that they may not see just by Mm -hmm. themselves or through not being willing to listen to what other people might be telling them um, because they're biased about what they may Mm -hmm. be saying because they know them so well. Sometimes it requires a initial stranger to observe some of the things you're doing. Mm -hmm. And when I say stranger, they're not strangers because they're put in there with intention. Um, You came across Ian Brooks because Ian had a message for you this morning. And I hope you were listening, everybody out there. And I hope you hope go pick up his book. We're going to have a link to Amazon and the link to his website. Um, as Namaste to you, my friend. Appreciate you and everything that you're doing. No, thank you, Greg. Appreciate the platform and great dialogue with you. Um, been a true pleasure. Thanks.